This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 359. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Today, doing a quick little intro, as this is actually a episode not recorded over our Facebook Live broadcast, as has been typical for the last recent history. Uh, This is actually an episode today where I did an interview recently at the annual Ballistic Summit sponsored by Lucid Optics, and I had the opportunity of hanging out with and interviewing James Yeager, who's been interviewed for the podcast before. And you know, this was probably uh, my favorite conversation I've I've ha- I've had with him so far. Uh, we've had some fun conversations, but uh, this episode we talked about a lot of uh, interesting and fun content. And there's there's good things that'll come out of this for sure. Today's episode is made possible, brought to you by Ammo Supply Warehouse, which uh, my, is my favorite place to buy ammunition online. In fact, it's pretty much the only place I buy ammunition anymore. You guys should check out AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. They have crazy fast shipping. Uh, what I mean by that is you place an order and it gets out the door fast. You know, almost all ammunition anymore ships uh, via UPS ground, so it's all going to pretty much get there at the same time. But I'll tell you, I've just been blown away sometimes at how fast things have showed up on my doorstep. So cool thing, too, is that they have a West kind of a not really west coast east coast but it's on the western side of the u.s and on the eastern side of the u.s they have two different warehouses that they ship from i really love how their website is set up by allowing you to choose whether you are west or east of the mississippi and they are going to ship from the warehouse that is closest to you and that's part of the secret magic that gets it to you fast very competitive excellent prices excellent service Becker and his team there at AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com will take care of you. And Guardian Nation members save an additional 5%, which is incredible off of already really awesome prices. So check out AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com today. Also want to draw your attention to on our website at ConcealedCarry.com. In fact, if you go to ConcealedCarry.com forward slash mags, as in M-A-G-S, ConcealedCarry.com forward slash mags, we have been working on and expanding our current offering of mag pouches and mag carriers. So head on over there, check it out. This week only, save actually just a couple days left on this sale, uh, save 15% off if you use the coupon code MAGS19, M-A-G-S-1-9. Well, I'm not going to really spend any more time introducing this episode. We'll jump right into this interview with James. Uh, appreciate you guys' support of the podcast. Uh, feel free, as always, to reach out to us, send, send us feedback or content ideas to support, not support. <laughs> That'll get you to our customer support team. What am I saying? Uh, podcast at concealedcarry.com. Of course, if you need help with anything on our website or whatever, you can email support at concealedcarry.com too. But uh, hit us up, podcast at concealedcarry.com, and uh, we'll we'll get those emails. That comes personally to me and Jacob and Matthew here, the, the podcast team, and uh, we do appreciate it. And if you feel so inclined to leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play, that is always appreciated as well about the, about the podcast. So, guys, uh, let's go ahead and play this interview now. All right. I'm here sitting with James Yeager. We are at the NRA Whittington Center, 
And we are here at this Lucid Optics first annual Ballistics Summit. I can't breathe here. It's <laughs> 6,700 feet on this range. I'm a lowlander. I'm like 600 feet at my yeah. house. But no, it's this. I, I got a can of oxygen out in the truck. Yeah, no doubt. Well, for, for any of you guys listening, this, this range is absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely yeah. picture. So, like any excuse you could get to come out here, like come out here. Now, I don't know if you know this. A membership here is 30 bucks a year. And if the ranges aren't being used, you have full access to this thing. Right. And they got thousand yard ranges and everything. So uh, nothing, nothing against lucid optics, but I got to pimp this place. It's, it's fantastic out yeah. here. But uh, yeah, uh, I met Jason two years ago at SHOT Show. And uh, I walked by and he recognized me and we started talking about lucid optics. And I said, is this a new company? He said, yeah, it's a overnight success, 10 years in the making, <laughs> something like that. And, uh, but, um, but uh, his enthusiasm and his passion uh, for his stuff is, uh, is authentic. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and as, uh, as you and I were talking, it's uh, kind of an anomaly in the industry because like, um, and I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but sometimes when people think about the industry, like everybody's a shooter and everybody's, you know, a pro gun and, you know, and all that stuff. But so the fact is that some of these people, especially bigger, bigger companies, they're just selling widgets. And this last week it was refrigerators and this week it's <laughs> AR-15s. So his, his uh, passion and enthusiasm is infectious. And, uh, yep. so he's like, Hey James and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And he started telling me about this stuff. And, um, and I, t I told him, I said, "Why well, I don't, I know why I've never heard of your stuff. He said, why? I said, cause it costs a third what it should cost. And so <laughs> I never paid attention to anything that I said, it can't be any good for, you know, for a $150 weapon light or, a, you know, a $400 scope. Right. And, uh, but I got to tell you the stuff that I've been playing with is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, we, earlier today we were out at the long range uh, range there shooting steel, and uh, you know they took us out from three hundred basically out to eleven hundred plus yards on some targets, looking through lucid optics um, optics obviously, and uh, I mean, I mean, how'd that go for you? I mean, I mean, like if you're listening, let me just explain. So you you sit down behind this rifle, the rifle's zeroed before you got there. And he says, all right, aim at this, the 300 one, 300 yard target. And we're talking a, um, a steel target that is small. I mean, smaller than a paper plate. And, um, says use the second hash marker, the second dot, you know, the second crosshair below mm -hmm. pouting. Then now we're going to this distance, this distance, this distance. And within five or six shots, now we're at, uh, what was it? A, 1160 1125 or something like that. Yeah. So, so the I'm white buffalo. I'm sure. So, so like at shot, shot number five or shot number six, he says, so put this part of the reticle there, press trigger. Ah, you hit it. So we go, I sit down at a rifle and within six shots, I'm shooting over a thousand yards. And, uh, because of his expert spotting, you know, being able to tell you how to aim the gun, mm -hmm. it's just like child's play. And, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, what? Well, I stood and watched as because I was the first one as everybody repeat, repeated this process, and I thought to myself, nobody even realizes how big a deal it is to shoot a target at eleven hundred and twenty-five yards and hit it the first shot. 
<laughs> like, like these people are just, oh yeah, okay. Uh, next, right. okay, oh yeah, I just did it. And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. That's over a thousand yards. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, I mean, dang near three quarters of a mile. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, even in, the, in even in this world of you, you know, the mile being the new, you, you know, the the new gold standard. Mm. Uh, an 1,100-yard shot by a bunch of people who are various backgrounds, various levels of training, various le- levels of farm discipline. Uh, for them to just sit down and do that is like is, is pretty <laughs> wild. And I don't. And again, I was just sitting there watching it, going, "I don't think any of these people even realize what they just did." <laughs> and it's pretty crazy. You know? Yeah. Well, and to your point, as far as uh, lucid optics and their price point, that that is. Jason's model is to what's the, well they have a motto which is on like, target on under target, budget un, under budget that's right which uh, you, you can't hit targets like that and that consistently and that easily if you can't see things clearly right right and so then yeah I mean it, it's like earlier today I was going back through their product catalog and I'm like Jason this this optic that I was shooting with earlier today like it shoots like a sixteen hundred dollar optic but it's five hundred bucks. Like what's up with that? You know, I told I told him he should charge twice or three times as much. That way, he could uh, let us stay in more lavish facilities when we come to do this. Media <laughs> no, I'm just no, the, the accommodations here are pretty, pretty I, good. I'm right? just joking. There, the, the, we're in the competitor housing, and this is like the barracks. The, the cabins are mm-hmm. grade A. Right, right, right. <laughs> but maybe next year we get cabins. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm uh, not complaining because I'm not in uh, a no, tent sleeping no, in a sleeping bag. No, it's great. It's great. I'm just joking. Uh, but. Um, but uh, so, as as you know, like uh, shot show is where everybody, you know, for the year this is our new you know, our new stuff. So I saw him today, saw Jason today, and I said, "All right, Jason, I haven't I haven't uh, seen seen you since uh, shot show. So I, I guess I can assume that there's no." Uh, new product updates. He goes, Oh, no, there is. And he's like, And here's this, and here's this, and here's this. And so that's one of the things that's pretty neat about a. Uh, a small company is a couple of things. Number one, with this America, we pull for the underdog. Lucid Optics is the underdog. Yeah. Um, but um, but they're they're not stifled by a this huge these huge these all these fiefdoms that are in big companies. You know, mm-hmm. there's a you know they have this this company this this group the marketing group doesn't want the sales group to do this and that. And he's got a small enough company where he can just go. I'm going to do whatever I want mm-hmm. and. Uh, and who who knows how long the company will stay that small, but it is really neat for me to see somebody again with his passion and enthusiasm just, and he's a product development guy. That's what he has done previously as employment. They just come out with these new products just quickly. Do you know that he, he has a prototype for a, a, a archery site on his desk? Yeah, like yeah, I've heard about that. I was just like, Okay, yeah. whatever. But like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he—you could tell. I mean, he's—he's a—he's a tinkerer. You know, like yeah. he. I mean, gets these ideas and starts putting things together, prototyping them, and uh, yeah, it's you know. So we had Jason on our podcast. I don't remember a few episodes ago now, and talking about his business and how he got started, and like, again to your point, just he is so passionate about what he's doing, and it's real, it's authentic, yep. it's genuine, right? Uh, that he he really walks the talk and i mean he's a shooter too yeah. and, and he gets it. i mean if you talk to him about ballistics you you you, you could just tell he gets it he's he's not someone just pandering 
resold wares, you know, just like something he's importing and like, yeah, here you go. Just, you know, just trying to sell this, trying to sell it, you know, like he actually gets it. He's really passionate about it. And I want to reiterate your point. He is a shooter. Yep. Like, uh, he's not some guy that's just selling a widget. Like, like each product, like he has a relationship with that product that is beyond the boardroom. It's, it's on the range, you know? Yep. And, uh, and you know, for you folks listening, you again, you might think that every single person in the industry is a you know some master shooter. They're not. That they, some of them don't even like guns. And so, mm. and so, uh, you know, you might call Jason on a Wednesday, and he might be uh, elk hunting, mm. <laughs> but it's with one of his scopes, and he's gonna you know smack some animal with it. So yep. it's uh, I you know, it's it's just cool. It's just cool to to, to be invited to come to these things, and uh, you know, and and. and I don't know, just the whole thing as a small company, because one of the things that I think my job is, is to be a liaison between the end user and my classes and the manufacturers. And so like at SHOT Show, he was showing me this new reticle and it had like a, like a half MOA dot or something in the middle. It was way small. And I said, man, it'd be great if that dot were bigger. And so I walk up to him today. He says, oh, here's the new site with the reticle that you asked me to make. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that just, and that's one of the things because he's a small company. He can just adapt right. this stuff. And, uh, are we calling that the Jaeger reticle now? <laughs> no, don't. It's just <laughs> one part of the reticle. You know, the one, uh, the, 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 the little site, the Mo mm-hmm. is got the, the diamond with the little dot, mm-hmm. the, that, that dot bigger is mm-hmm. it, is yep. what I wanted. And so anyway, I, nice. it's, yeah, it's just stuff like that. <laughs> and, and and then after I saw it change, I'm like, wait a minute, maybe you shouldn't be doing stuff I ask you to, cause I'm not an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let, let's talk real quick about, about some shooting stuff. Uh, cause today we were playing around with that little Mo, yep. which is a, you know, in this configuration, it was a slide mounted red dot on a pistol. I thought the, the Mo was the, the small, uh, Let's see, the Little Mo's, the pistol one. Oh, okay. The Little Mo. M7? Is that the one you're t- talking about? Yeah. That, okay, that, sorry, the M7. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I knew what you meant. Like, you said it, and I knew what you were saying. Um, so, the Little Mo on the pistol, right? So, what I wanted to ask you about is, I mean, what, what are your thoughts about red dots on a pistol, and, and what are some tips for shooters? Because we, we had a little bit of that today. Like, you were even talking to somebody about, hey, try this, try that, you know, to be a little bit more effective with that dot. Well, so first off, for you guys listening, your host here was smacking steel with a pistol at well over 100 yards today. So, <laughs> I, yeah, listen, I, you're the kind of guy that don't, doesn't talk about yourself. I, I I don't have any problem with talking about myself, <laughs> well, but but you don't. You, you do, and you're a humble guy. Uh, guys, uh, the guy that's hosting this thing uh, can shoot. So if there's ever any doubt in your mind, uh, you, you don't need to worry about that anymore. Um, so red dots. On I pistol. appreciate that. Oh, no problem. No. Uh, red dots on pistol, the pistol I got in my holster right now, it's got an RMR on it mm-hmm. and, uh, everything that makes a pistol great for a rifle shooting on the move, shooting at moving targets, various sliding conditions, uh, shooting in awkward positions, et cetera, et cetera. Simplification of aiming everything that it does for a rifle, it does for a pistol. Yep. And, uh, so, and, and you know, and we are seeing, you know, you've been the last couple of shows. We are seeing now these guns that are coming from the factory ready for a dot and coming from the factory with a dot. With a dot. Yep. And so regardless of whether or not me or you or the person listening likes that, it's a coming. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, oh, We just saw this new pistol release this week from Springfield, the Hellcat. Actually, I haven't even seen it yet, but go yeah. ahead. And, and, and the, I mean, right... I mean, they're they're 
definitely billing it as a you know put a red dot on. It. I mean, there's a, there's an iron sights version, but there's a already slide cut version for okay. for the gun, right? To fit a uh, uh, RMSC, you okay. know, shield op- optic. Which, by the way, the little Mo, by the way, in case people are wondering, uh, the one we were shooting with today, I thought Jason was really smart because he. And I asked him. I said, "What's the footprint of this thing?" And he's like, "Oh, it's the same as the Burris Fastfire." Okay, cool. Something already in the in the in the industry with you know a lot of accessories and mm-hmm. and mounting plates and things like that. So that's awesome. Rather than let's reinvent the wheel again, right? right. You know, and have another footprint that you got to accommodate. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry. Continue on with where you were at. Hell, I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you said it's a coming. That's well, that's I where mean, we were at. And you I, know, I, like yeah. you know, like Smith and Wesson at Shot Show released the the shield with with a red dot on yep. it from the factory. So, um, yep. you know, so I mean, it's 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 obviously coming, and uh, and then Jason's brought up that little mo, and he said uh, MSRP is going to be three something, and that's a. Uh, that's a good price for a, a dot, you know, on a, for a pistol dot. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, it's, it's real early in all this, you know, I, you know, in five years we'll look back and go, how could we have been so silly to not know this or that? But right now it's kind of at the beginning of all this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's pretty exciting and it's exciting to see that Lucid's getting in there right, right yep. at the, at the, the beginning of it. And, uh, and we'll see how it goes, but that, that little mo, it's got a nice, uh, a nice big screen on it. Yeah. And I know that's the, the thing that most people worry about on these dots is the size of the screen. And, uh, it's got a, it's got a good size screen. Not, it's not, it's not like you look at it and go, Oh my God, it's a TV screen, but it's got, ah, I don't have to fish through this thing, you know? So. Yep. The size of the dot, I believe, cause I asked him was a four MOA, mm-hmm. which, which is nice. Cause it's, it's not. Super small, uh, yeah. which can be a little bit troublesome sometimes to pick up. It's also not overly big. I found it very easy to use today and, and, and smack those those targets. In fact, I'll just talk about myself since yeah, you please encouraged do. No, it. No, please I do. also hit a target at two hundred and forty some odd yards. Well, I said I said well over a hundred. <laughs> I was going to let you say, but, but I can confirm I saw him. I was spotting for him, and even the ones he missed were really close. It was uh, that's out there with a nine mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you were saying something to a shooter earlier today. Sometimes people, I think, when they are transitioning from irons to a dot, uh, they they see something probably for the first time. Or at least it's really exaggerated. What I mean by that is they really see every movement you know that they're making with their hands. And it's sometimes a little bit, um, maybe almost even disorienting for a shooter because they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm shaking all over the place." Uh, you just don't really. You got two planes moving with the iron sights, and plus you're trying to look at your target. You know, in the case of an iron sight gun, and I just don't think that's quite as as noticeable, right? So uh, sometimes I think you take shooters with a with a dot, and they'll struggle a little bit because they're so focused on that dot. And it's wiggling, and they're trying to. And you talked about this, so I, I, I would like for you to repeat what you said to that shooter, because I think it's good advice for for just about anybody, as far as not trying to like ambush it or really time that shot, right? And, and that's exactly it. Is um, 
let's say you're shooting and this this applies to a front sight but it's but as you said it's more magnified it's more noticeable with the red dot but if it, this applies to your sniper scope this applies to anything right it's there's going to be movement we're just a we're just a big bag of water and electricity for shooting anything especially standing it's going to be moving around and so what the the tendency is is that things moving around here it comes by the bullseye here it comes and now and and uh, sorry for yelled jerk and they jerked <laughs> they jerked the trigger and, and uh, they won't hit it so what i tell people is go listen it's going to move okay it's going to be moving around sometimes it's going to be a little bit high a little bit low a little left or right but just gently press the trigger and even if when you're pressing the trigger it the dot seems like it's too high to hit the target or too low or left or right you'll be surprised how many of those rounds will wiggle right through the center as long as you just allow that gun to go off instead of making it go off mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it's really good advice and and like said it, it just becomes so tempting with that red dot yeah. to, to try snatch to snatch that tree. yeah exactly <laughs> like here it goes yeah. <laughs> what would you say i mean what are some ways that a shooter can uh try to combat that uh i, I have sometimes worked with shooters that really struggle with that idea and you, you explain it one way you explain it another way like let's try this let's try that uh what are some other ways that you might have a shooter try to work through that? Well, the number one way is a competent instructor helping you. That's <laughs> that's it. I mean, really, it's a, a competent instructor can, should be able to fix that in a, in a minute. Um, absent that, or even as an instructing tool, it's uh, no amount of dry practice will ever fix a flinch. Like, like people have said it for years. Oh, dry practice. That, that actually makes a flinch worse because the, the student now knows exactly when to flinch. And uh, so the, the best way to fix it, the fastest way to fix it is what's called a ball and dummy drill. Mix live rounds with dummy rounds and just tell them to watch the front sight. And eventually they'll see that uh, when it clicks on that, that dummy round and the gun moves, They'll, they'll, they'll start getting, oh, it is me. It is how I'm pressing the trigger. Um, and the, the, the best way ever to fix a flinch, uh, is a ball and dummy drill. And if you just do that enough, eventually you will get the hang of it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that what, what we're trying to fight is, um, a primordial response. So we have several primal fears, sudden loss of breath, sudden loss of balance. Loud noises is one of those things, and we're pressing the volume control on something that we know is going to scare the crap out of us. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we have this pre-ignition jerk or whatever. But a ball and dummy drill mm-hmm. is is the what I've seen just generally the fastest way to fix yeah. it. And I do think it's important for shooters to see that because uh, it's sometimes, you know, I think it takes a lot of practice and a lot of time behind the sights of a gun to begin really seeing your sights, especially at the time of ignition, right? And and as an instructor, I mean, I could be standing right there watching watching their front sight in particular, and you see that right before the right. gun goes off, bloop, that little yep. dip, and, and you you know right away exactly what's going on. But they typically did not see that. And the ball and dummy drill is a great way because you're totally right. They will press the trigger. They're going to get a click instead of a bang, and they're going to see that probably for the first time. Yeah, and that's a that's a really great way of driving that home. Well, I mean, I mean, so many people, especially men, go shoot a gun and it doesn't shoot right through the center like they think it should from the TV show, 
<laughs> they instantly want to blame the gun or the rounds or you know sights. Whatever. I've had one guy said, ah, you know my my nine millimeter, you know it won't shoot one fifteens. It only shoot one twenty fours. I'm like, you probably can't shoot one twenty fours either. <laughs> <laughs> he just got lucky on the day he was shooting one twenty fours. Well, he went from a twelve inch group at ten feet to a nine inch group. And <laughs> he thinks it's the ammo. <laughs> yeah, so true, so true. I asked a question of somebody the other day that I thought was really interesting uh, in their response. And, you know, quite often in the shooting world, we talk about fundamentals or foundations even, you know. And so what I asked this individual the other day was, you know, I, I encourage them to think back over your own personal development throughout your life as it relates to, you know, the, the art of the gun, using the gun. And what would you describe for you personally is your foundation to successfully, you know, fighting with a gun? Um, I'll just start talking and you can shut me up wherever you want. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know exactly what you're asking, so I'm going to try to do my yeah. best. Well, can, let, me, let me also kind of provide some other context in that what would you say, I would like you to maybe go back in your, in your, in your mind and what was maybe one time, maybe what was one of your first big realizations, like first big light bulb moments where you were like, ah, you know, and it, and it was substantial enough to you that it started really making the difference in your advancement. I got, I got two big bookmarks as far as that's concerned. So I got into uh, shooting, uh, I started shooting IPSC, uh, when I was like 19 and, uh, I got up to uh, B class with a Ruger P eighty five, and so <laughs> nice, yeah. <laughs> but um, so I became a cop in uh, January of ninety two, and from ninety two to ninety six, I worked undercover. And while I was working undercover, I took a ton of police classes, like a half a dozen SWAT schools and all kinds of shooting classes. I was a gun nut, and I was like, oh, this is great, you know. So all the training I'd ever had, shooting experience was USPSA and police training. So in ninety six, I met Andy Stanford. And he was the first commercial firearms class I took. And he said, yeah, he said, James, he said, you're a good, good trainer. He said, uh, he said, uh, but these four firearm safety rules are to empower you, not to hold you back. And because I've been in so many police ranges where, you know, unload your gun before you left the firing line and all this stuff. When, when Andy said, no, no, there's four rules. That's it. Just four. Now go forth and train people. It really was a, was a big, uh, a big fork in the road for me. Mm. And, um, and then a, another big one is if you, if you would have said probably in, uh, early in 1998, if you just said, all right, James, uh, shoot the best group you can shoot, tightest group you can shoot it, you know, make something up, you know, you know, 15 feet. Uh, I would have just probably just hammered on the gun thinking I should just shoot really fast. And I'd have probably shot a, you know, a softball size group or something like that. I took a two day class from Jim Cruz and a lot of people have never even heard of him. He used to teach at uh, Gunsight. I took a two day class from him and all we did was shoot at the one inch stickers you get from like Walmart to put mm -hmm. on your yard sale stuff. <laughs> all we did was shoot those for two days. And I was embarrassed when I left that class because I thought I knew how to shoot before I got there. Mm. So today when we were shooting, when I was shooting that too, I was, yep. I was back in his class shooting that little dot just like I had back then. Yeah. You know, so those were like 
I mean, I've had other ones, but those Andy's class was the biggest change in, in who I would become as an instructor. And then uh, Jim Cruz made me realize that mm. there's always another level of perfection that you can reach mm. uh, past where you're at. Speaking of which, for the record, Mr. James Yeager can really shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about when you were putting some, some rounds through that uh, circle target, uh, you were that was a, a a really nice group. Well, I mean, here, here's what here's the, here's the damned if you do, damned if you don't. So like if I shoot like that, people go, yeah, of course, he's an instructor, he should shoot like that. But if I don't shoot that good, people go, well, I can shoot better than him. Why would I take a class from him? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> What specifically from that Andy uh, uh, Stanford, right? Yeah. Uh, course or, or that moment you had with him, what specifically about when he said something about the safety rules empowering you, what specifically about that really kind of changed your paradigm? I am, I'm trying to think like to give you uh, an exact reference on what it changed. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I'd been on a lot of police ranges and it was like, you know, unload your gun all the time and, sure. you know, and things like that. And uh, a bunch of administrative gun handling stuff. And, mm. and, uh, and I wasn't teaching like that, but I was just like, I was conflicted. Mm. And, and so when basically what Andy said is, is, uh, don't teach people how to shoot, teach people how to fight. And if you're teaching people how to fight, you don't have to worry mm. about the rules for shooting. Just worry yeah. about the rules for fighting. Yeah. Which is a big deal in your yeah. world. I mean, you, yeah. you, everything you do, curriculum-wise, is about teaching people to fight yeah. and to win the fight. And they don't understand that. People think they can shoot good, so they don't need to come and take training. But after they come and take training on how to fight with a gun, then they get it. But th there's so many people that, that think, oh, I'm good because I watch John Wick and my split times <laughs> are this. And, uh, and I tell them all the time, I'm not about split times. I'm about splitting skulls. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, that's an interesting. Uh, maybe we'll kind of divert on, down that road a little bit here. Uh, talking about split times and and, and gunfighting. Okay, uh, there's a lot of science out there, especially as we start looking at human decision making. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, you don't need the fastest split times in a gunfight, right? What would you tell someone contextually that's important? Like, what do they need to know about? Using a gun effectively, not being focused instead on split times. But I can what matters that. in a gunfight? I can answer it right now. Yeah. I'll just quote Wyatt Earp. It's not the first shot that counts. It's the first hit. Mm. Yeah. Right. You know, that, I mean, and that's that's just the way it is. I, I tell my students um, that uh, the first round out of the holster is everything. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you, have, you have time to aim. You don't have time to miss. Yeah. What about uh, we, every every shot that's fired? Sh I mean, should be a decision. Yeah. Right. What, what would you say about uh, shooting so fast that maybe you're shooting faster than you can react? Well, I mean, the thing is, if we if we look at human reaction time in a general number, it's usually a quarter of a second. And uh, that's if we've gone through the uh, decision-making process, we've observed, we're oriented, we decided what to do, and now we're acting. The OODA loop uh, takes about a quarter of a second. So right. an, an example in, in what I teach is this. 
Um, in general police circles, if a gun has a malfunction, the police teach tap rack and then assess the target to see if there is a change in the target before you shoot again. Uh, I teach tap rack fight uh, because if he needed to be shot a half a second ago, he needs to be shot again right now. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, right. and, and so, um, you know, the, the, the thing is you're never going to, you're never going to. There's there's three fights. There's the the gunfight, the legal fight, and the emotional fight. You're, mm-hmm. ne- you're never gonna you're never gonna lose a gunfight. You're never gonna lose a legal fighter. You're never gonna lose an emotional fight from shooting somebody that needed to be shot uh, when you shot them. And if they needed to be shot five times, if you accidentally shot them six times, they still needed to be shot. Right. That's you know. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, especially in light of there was this uh, shooting recently. In Philadelphia, I believe, the cell phone store. Did you see the video on that where the robber comes into the store? Right. He, he you know, the, the, the clerk engages him and then basically does a mag dump on the dude as uh-huh. he's on the ground. Like, you know, any application you see there? <sighs> here we go. That, that's so, an interesting one, right? Well, here's the thing. You you, you shoot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, no it's, let's open a can of worms no, here. No, actually, in a, in a world of weapon system platforms, I'm the guy trying to simplify things. Sure. So here is your legal lecture. Mm. Before you put your finger on the trigger, ask yourself, whose life are you about to save? Mm-hmm. That's it. You, if you follow that, if that's your legal, if that is your legal standing, you never putting your finger on the trigger unless you're about to save somebody's life. You'll, you'll never be sued. You'll never be imprisoned uh, for improperly defending yourself because yeah. because we use guns to save lives, not guns to take lives. Um, mm-hmm. So in general, we're supposed to sh- stop shooting when there's no longer a threat. And so if the guy fell down and he was still trying to bring a gun to bear, you know, it's, people try to make these things very complicated. They're right. usually not they either the guy should be shot again or he should not um but uh if you're committing an armed robbery and some guy shoots you and he shot you five times and he should have shot you four times that's just kind of that's <laughs> you know right. I'm, not, I'm not saying to be you know passe about it but that's just kind of how it goes and um and then if i could continue talking about this i tell my students all the time you know when they, they have stopped doing Whatever it is you shot them for, you have to stop shooting them. Uh, carrying med gear, I think, is really something that's. I think we're beginning to see more exposure to the idea, uh, but we definitely could still see more and more people actually doing that. Well, let me tell you what I did. I came back from Iraq and re- Iraq and realized that there wasn't enough of it. So I'm the guy that got people carrying medical kits on their gear and I'm the guy that started doing the two-day gunshot and stab wound classes that, mm-hmm. that that started with tactical response I'm glad to see that idea spread and I'm not here trying to sell anybody anything but we still sell the cheapest the least expensive medical kit uh, on the market it's 50 bucks and uh, and I'm not saying that to, to sell them I'm saying I keep the price barely profiting from them because I think it is so important for people to have mm-hmm. medical kits and uh, like I said, I'm in jeans and a button up right now, and I got got one on my ankle. It's got a chest seal. Got I got a chest decompression needle, tourniquet, pressure bandage. You know all that stuff on me all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's really really important. I mean, we're far more likely to use that equipment. I mean, I've responded to the scene of vehicle accidents yep. numerous times. I've never been in a shooting yet personally. 
Good. Let's keep it that way. Right. You know, so, uh, that's, and that was probably one of my first wake up calls. Honestly, I'll tell you that the most, one of the most frustrating experiences I've ever had in my life was I was 18 years old, didn't really know much. And I came upon an accident scene involving, involving a a little girl who had been on a bike Mm -hmm. and hit by a vehicle. And I was a boy scout. I had had some medical training, but I remember standing there and not really knowing what to do. Right. And frankly, there probably was nothing that could be done because she she was she was gone. Right. But but I felt so helpless, and uh, that became a catalyst for me to make sure that I didn't ever feel helpless again. Right. You know. Um, the thing is, is that uh, that's a kind of a segue into. I told you earlier the emotional battle. Like mm. we've got to get through these three fights, the emotional battle. And there takes two things to uh, typically trigger PTSD. One is that something horrifying must happen that is outside what a human being would normally encounter. The other prong is that they have to feel helpless about it. Mm-hmm. So when you get training, the more training you have, whether it's medical or tactical or whatever the case may be, in your brain, if you if you at least have options, it reduces the chances of you getting PTSD because you did not feel helpless. Yeah. I th- think that is, those are true words. I, I, I agree. This is I my mean, that, life that, study. I mean, <laughs> well, it, you know, and that's, a, that's exactly what I did. I went right out and I took medic, you know, more medical training right. than I ever had before and uh, began carrying gear. Right. Uh, I'm like you, I've got, I've got a, IFAC, a basic IFAC on me at all times. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you should at least have a tourniquet. It's easy to carry a tourniquet. You can find small tourniquets. Uh, I won't talk about a brand that'll send people off into a spin, but but, uh, carry a tourniquet. If you carry any, anything, if you carry, if you you carry a gun, carry a tourniquet. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's see. How about, uh, what what do you got coming up next in your in your future? Like what? Man. It, it's something that you're excited about, and this could be anything. It could be Man. family related. Well, I know you love your grandkids, and dude. You- they're awesome. I got I got grandkid number six be here in January, mm. and uh, and uh, congratulations. Oh, dude, it's great. Uh, they're awesome, and uh, um, you know, my daughters are like because I spoil the crap out of them, and my daughters <laughs> are like they're always like, well, uh. You know, I didn't get that when I was a kid. And I'm like, well, I guess your grandparents didn't love you as much as theirs loved them. <laughs> but uh, but they're a lot of fun. So basically, in, in my life is just, you know, three major areas, my business, my family, and my motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and, you know, and they all call it, they all, they're, it's all fun. Like, I, I, I really, so, like, sometimes I'll have a day where I'm kind of like, and I still go, wow, this beats having a real job. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, Absolutely. But, but what's next? I don't know. Uh, you know, more of that stuff, you know, <laughs> more family, more training. Uh, I've, uh, yeah, I, I, I've on purposely steered myself back to the range more this year. I've taught, I've taught more this year than I, I had the, la- the last few years. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. And, uh, you know, people come to class and they go like, how are you still so energetic? And, and I don't have to be because when the students show up, they bring their enthusiasm and their energy and you can't be around this group of people that are just like, just ready to do something and, mm. and you just be, you know, in the dirt. So it, it makes it so easy to do the job. And, and, uh, I don't know. I just, I'm just mm-hmm. having a good time with it all. 
I remember something I wanted to ask you about because yeah. uh, we were t- kind of talking about it a little bit earlier. You know, I, I brought my son to this event, and uh, you know, talking about your grandkids, that kind of reminded me of it. What would you? What kind of advice would you give to parents and grandparents out there listening, as it relates to getting their kids started and teaching them about firearms? Well, first off, uh, for you guys listening, uh, his uh, his son is a is a very polite young man, very intelligent. Like shook my hand firmly you know a lot of young guys don't do that uh and he's uh, we're very well behaved his trigger discipline is fantastic and he's a, a pretty pretty good shot for a little kid yeah he's, yeah, he's so. got some stuff to figure out but he's doing no you he's it. doing very well no, you should be I'm proud. very proud of you him. should be. absolutely um and what was the question advice for getting kids started you know i mean uh listen uh you know all my grandkids uh you know, they all got a 1022 and, mm. and uh, they all have a silencer and, mm. and, and I got the silencers from Atlas defense and they're nice. And so they make the, the silencer, the kid's first name, and then the digits are his date of the birth. Date oh, of that's birth. Awesome. So, yeah, so they all, they all, you know, have a can. And, and this is typically when people, if I talk about it, people are like, Hey, would you want to adopt me? No. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but anyway, so literally uh, a little 1022 with a little red dot on them and a bipod because kids can't hold them up. I think the crickets, the guns that you fire one shot, you got to cock. The little kids can't cock those. I think they're horrible. But a 1022 uh, with uh, with a little red dot and, I, and I'll paint the target. Uh, I use a steel target and I'll paint it another color like green. And I'll say put the red thing on the green thing. And I four-year-old grandson puts the red thing on the green thing and presses the trigger. Yep. Now here's something that's that's crazy. So my grandson Bane is uh he's homeschooled and he was at my shop a couple of weeks ago and they're using boxes him and a little play friend a 4-year-old uh building a fort and I've got them these these wooden guns that they play with all the time. And uh <laughs> and Bane was telling showing him about how to use cover and he says and he's telling, talking about sight muzzle offset. He says the sight you might see, but when you shoot, it'll hit the wall. And I'm like, Bane, <laughs> where did you learn that? Because it wasn't for me. Fortnite. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, my <laughs> six year old grandson is now an instructor uh, based on Fortnite. <laughs> Who knew? I guess you can learn something from video games. I, I was, I, he, I, I walked by and he was explaining it to the, the little boy. And the little boy was just like looking at him like all crazy. But I was like, holy moly, this Bane understands sight muzzle offset. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, good for you for, you know, uh, encouraging uh, firearms education with your grandkids. And I imagine you, you taught your daughters much the same way as well. Yeah. Yeah. I had, you know, one daughter, you know, everybody has kids knows that they're not alike. You know, I've got, mm-hmm. I had one daughter that was gung ho a thousand miles an hour. want to shoot all the time. Another one was just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> some, uh, but, uh, uh, so, uh, so my gung ho daughter, by the time she was 18, she easily shot a hundred thousand rounds of various ammos. And, uh, and I said, all right, you're 18. So now you can, you can buy your own ammo. <laughs> and uh, she said, yeah, no problem. How much does ammo cost? And I told her, she said, Oh my God. You know, like, how much money have I spent? So the other daughter, she didn't care much about it. Um, and, but when she came, a, became a mother, she started liking it, you know, like thinking about having a gun, you know, yeah. well, she already had a handgun, but like home defense, you know, long gun. And I let her shoot several of my guns to try them out. And she wound up 
like in one of my crank offs. Mm. So I get her a crank off and mm. I put a red dot, you know, aim point on it and a sure fire and all that stuff, home defense. And uh, she's like, uh, well, how much did this cost? You know, because it's, you know, several thousand dollars. She's like, oh, my God, you know, I can't <laughs> afford, you know, to pay you for this, whatever. I go, no, honey, I, uh, you've, uh, you've still got about probably $50,000 a credit because your sister spent all the – she's got a way head start on you. So you, you get all the ammo you want, all the no, – not a problem at all, you know. <laughs> but uh, – but, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, so like I said, two different, two different, two different daughters, you know, two different worlds, but the, the grandkids are shaking out the same way. Like they all kind of like to shoot. Mm-hmm. Some of them just kind of like to shoot because grandpa takes them. And then when they're done, we usually go get ice cream or something. So yeah. I don't know if it's the ice cream or the shooting, you know, <laughs> but if they, does uh, it really matter? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I've started having them, the older ones, uh, if they will give a good dissertation on the four safety rules in front of a class, I'll give them five bucks. And so they're saving up to go to Legoland. Mm. And so, uh, so, you know, public speaking for kids, you know, especially a room full of adults. Yeah. But the, the two oldest ones are, they're doing they're it. They're all for it. Yeah. yeah. So it's just trying to get them, you know, you know, public speaking is horrible. <laughs> Well, it's my boy there, Scott. He would love that. He'd be all over that as far as the, the Legoland uh, incense. Right, right. Oh, my goodness. You'd see the things he builds from Legos. <laughs> uh, this will probably be the last thing here. We'll wrap it up. You know, it's kind of getting kind of late, and we got a, another day tomorrow. But uh, Yeah, and those guys are going to be suffering from the corona effect. <laughs> For sure. Some people talk about the Coriolis effect or whatever, <laughs> but these guys are going to be the corona effect. <laughs> Let's just say a few drinks have been had. <laughs> um, so I, I noticed as we were walking over here to to this uh, to the house where you're staying here, uh, you pulled out a flashlight, uh-huh. and I think that was a stiletto you picked uh-huh. up. Yep, Surefire stiletto. Uh, curious uh, what you'd say. I mean, you've done a lot of gear reviews too on your channel over the years. What what should folks look for in a good, particularly handheld uh, flashlight? Well, here we come back full circle. Yeah. Andy Stanford designed the stiletto. Oh, I didn't realize that. There you go. Full circle indeed. <laughs> well, I carry two lights. I've got the tactician in my back pocket. That's mm-hmm. my gunfighting light. And I got the stiletto in my front pocket. There's my tactician right there. And um, and I I like the uh, the uh, stiletto. It's a it's a rechargeable. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I was using it against the lighter path. If I lose my keys, that's what I use it for. And uh, the uh, the tactician is just, just for gunfighting. Yeah. And uh, so have we talked about this? Yep. I lost mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'll get you another one. I got to get another one. <laughs> I'll get you another one. I was just talking, talking to him about a piece of shock cord. So yeah, yeah the little lanyard. Yep. But um, not sure how it popped off, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, a, the thing is, is that we have to we have to use a light to identify our target. We have to, and, so, and lights can be used for a myriad of other things. For you know, to 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 signal. You talked earlier about you used a flashlight flashlight to t- try to signal on a, a auto accident one time, and so mm-hmm. we use them to identify all, all different kinds of things and navigate and communicate and all these. And uh, so having a light is imperative. And uh, I carry a rechargeable light, so I don't use up. 
the batteries in my gunfighting light. And the mm-hmm. way I try to explain it to people is if you're always using that same light, it's kind of like having a mag full of ammo in your pistol. And then you take the pistol out and shoot around. And then you, some other time you take the pistol out and shoot around. Eventually when you get in a gunfight, you don't know how many rounds are in the gun or if there's any at all. It's the same with my batteries in the tactician. I don't want to use it. I want it to be full. I want to have, I want to have a full, uh, a compliment, full magazine, so to speak, yep, of, yep. Of, of battery power makes and, total sense, and that's why I carry, you know, the, the the other light, and 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 you can carry all kinds of different little keychain lights and stuff like that, so you don't waste your your gunfighting light. Uh, but uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of pe- people make a lot of uh, a lot about the beam and throw and <laughs> lumens, and I mean, to the average civilian concealed carrier out there i mean what do you think is really important uh, just by a tactician <laughs> well i go. mean uh, uh, here's the thing when i started policing back in the mm-hmm. day it's when cops still carried mag lights mm-hmm. and so I, my first you know surefire was not a surefire it was a laser products so do you know the origin of surefire like how it all began. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. So basically, John Matthews is a laser right. scientist making lasers. SEALs come to him and say, hey, would you make a flashlight? He said, I don't make flashlights. I'm a scientist. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he finally did. And so right. if you ask John Matthews today, who's made zillions of dollars off flashlights, hey, sir, what do you do? I'm a laser scientist. <laughs> it's like it's a dirty secret. But yet makes some of the best flashlights in the world. The best, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, no, they're uh, fantastic. But uh, what the hell were we talking about? <laughs> like what's what's important, you know? Okay, and so, your short answer was so, just so, by a tactician. So, so, <laughs> so when I first got mine, my first six P was sixty lumens, and compared to the mag lights, it should it might as well was a lightsaber. Yeah. Now people wouldn't walk across the street for a sixty lumen light. It's got to be you know, like the tactician seven hundred lumens. Like at some point, I don't think you need that much, you know. Uh, but um, but. Uh, it's the same as with anything. We can talk about like handgun stuff all the time, but uh, basically, if you get some training, uh, you'll figure out really quick what what the advantages and disadvantages of whatever light you're carrying is, because they all have advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Which, by the way, this is something you know. A lot of times, people hear Surefire and they think that's ah, really expensive. You know, I'm not going to drop you know 100. Like, I think you can pick these up on. Amazon for like 120 bucks. Yeah, I mean, if, if you if I mean, you, that, if you that's shop, not you, bad. If you shop, you can find them for under 100. Most people will drop 70 dollars on some of the yeah, lesser quality brands. And I th- I look at it, I'm like, you know, 40 bucks more, 50 bucks more. Uh, I've been really super impressed with this tactician. It is a solid light. I think they're great, and they're made in America. I mean, that there mean, you go. That means something to me. You know. Yep. Absolutely. Cool, good stuff. Really great talking with you, James, yeah, here this weekend. Oh, always, uh, always, enjoy, always enjoy these conversations. <laughs> Seriously, you know, it's like talking to somebody that gets it, you know, so yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it. Uh, one last thing would be, I think you're still tight with Ammo Supply Warehouse, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, they're a sponsor of the podcast now. Awesome. So, uh, well, well, let me say this. I, do, <laughs> I don't know how well you know Becker. Oh, I love Becker. But uh, Great dude. Great guy. Um, he comes and he trains at our place and that's another guy that's in the industry. That's a patriot. He believes in this stuff. He can shoot. Uh, he, he, you know, he, he's got this ammo company because like, he just figured, Hey, I might as well buy so much for myself. I might as well share it with other people. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, I'm glad he's come on as a, he didn't call me and ask me, or I would have told him to sponsor you. No, no, seriously. I mean, really yep, yep. Uh, like what a, what a great guy, what a great company. And, uh, oh man. Yeah. I mean, 
buy from Ammo Supply Warehouse. I mean, yeah. Tell me, is your experience the same as mine as far as this is what's blown me away with the, those guys? Is now you're on the east side of Mississippi, yeah. so you're ordering from the other warehouse. Yeah. I'm ordering from the Pahrump, Nevada warehouse. But I'll tell you, I, I place an order, say, by noon on a Monday, uh-huh. and it's on my doorstep by Wednesday afternoon. Oh, nice. And I'm like, right. Dang. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what he does when he sends it out everywhere else, but when, like a lot of my students, so they, they order it and they have it come to my shop. Mm. So when it comes in, it's got like stickers and stuff all over it. And I like, love the stickers. And all, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. fun. It's fun when it comes. You can, uh, you see the UPS guy with his boxes and you can see that. Oh yeah. Animal Supply Warehouse got one in uh-huh. there. But, but no, Butch is, Butch is a fun guy. We my, like my wife asked me, well, she, she noticed that. She's like, what's up with all the stickers? <laughs> Dinosaurs and hearts and glittery stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it kind of disguises that it's what yeah. it is. Uh, and fa- she's like, oh, as, that's really brilliant. As far as I know, I think this is what Butch told me. And if, if I'm wrong, I'm mistaken. I'm sorry. But uh, as far as I know, if you see a box that's decorated like that, he did it. <laughs> nice. As far as I, as far as I remember him saying, it was, it was, it was a hit, personal hit job. That makes got- me love it even more. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Again, it's been uh, great talking with you, James, yeah. and uh, look forward to, to the rest of the weekend with you. And we, of course, wish you the best of luck in all of your future endeavors. Thanks, man. And safe travels back home to Camden. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, bro. And welcome back from that interview. I seriously really enjoyed chatting with James uh, a couple weeks ago. It was a great time. And actually, after this interview wrapped up, we just kind of sat there and chatted for a while. And again, today's episode made possible and sponsored by AmmoSupplyWarehouse.com. We do appreciate your support of our sponsors as it supports us as well. And of course, uh, if you, by shopping on our website at ConcealedCarry.com, such as heading on over to ConcealedCarry.com forward slash mags and saving 15% this through the rest of this weekend uh, only by using coupon code MAGS19, MAGS19, that supports us as well and allows us to continue to do what we do here. Uh, and offer things like the podcast for free. So, oh, and then, of course, this interview for, with James was done at the Lucid Optics event called the Ballistic Summit. It was actually their first ever and presumably an annual event, and we had a great time. And you might just give Lucid Optics a look as well for your next optic. I was impressed with what I saw there. So, There you have it. I'm going to wrap it up, and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.